I'm going to uh, I'm going to go. Of course, I'm never. I was kind of hoping to finish up Proverbs this year. Probably won't get it done. So maybe next year I'll finish up Proverbs. <laughs> but I am in Proverbs 20, and I'm going <coughs> to. Excuse me. Uh, do you have that in the Amplified? I don't think I left that on the note. Uh, that's what I normally do. But look at Proverbs 20, verse 5. I'm going to look at it in the Amplified first. Proverbs 20, verse 5. Counsel in the heart of a man is like water in a deep well. But a man of understanding draws it out. So um, in the King James, it's counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. That's a very, very, if we can use the term, uh, makes sense with looking at it, uh, looking at the Scripture. It is a very deep proverb because the ideal of anybody, if you're going to be a wise person, you need to be able to discover what other wise people are really thinking. That's, that's imperative. And if you really want to succeed in life, then you need to be around wise people. Very, very much so. Because what a foolish man thinks could cost you dearly. You ever noticed how easy it is to listen to counsel on somebody who absolutely knows nothing about the subject? Why is it that we tend to listen to losers? Why is it that when someone tells a lie, that a lie goes around much faster than the truth? You stop and think about it. You get someone that's a little irate at somebody, and they can start a lie about that person, and never, ever listen to the other side of the story. But they'll pick up and go with it. That's, that's not wisdom. Not wisdom at all. I just happened to notice Ashton's got that new baby here, doesn't she? Yeah, Chris and Ashton got their new baby. Oh, I'll be sure that that baby can hear my voice and get it all excited. I was leaving the other day, and um, I was this one back here. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't think of his name. All right, he was he was in somebody else's arms right down here, and I got off the platform, and he started looking at me and followed me, laughing at me all the way up through there. I said, "All right, guys, I'm going to remember this." <laughs> Yeah, you know, they do. Those babies hear your voice over and over again like that, and they do respond to it, and that's uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So let's, let's go back. You want babies to listen to wise people, so they're listening to me. That's that's wisdom. So the simile here compares a deep well, where the water lies well below the surface of the ground, and in order to obtain the water, someone has to have a little bit of ingenuity, and there's going to be some labor that's got to be put forth to reach so far down and bring the water to the surface. Into the, uh, th this always reminds me when I read this particular one. It reminds me of, of the, the woman at the well when Jesus came to the well. And the woman looks at Jesus. She said, but sir, she said, the, the, the well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. Can you imagine telling Jesus you have nothing to draw from a deep well with? And so it's very similar when, when you begin to read this and read that particular uh, story in the Bible. So there's a, there are reasons it takes very, very similar skill in order to have the labor and the ingenuity to reach down into a deep well to draw, draw the water. Then there's, there's a reason here that it takes very similar skill to draw counsel out of others. Sometimes people simply do not want to tell you what they know. 
Sometimes people don't want to tell you what they know because they don't think they know anything. Always a person that is quick to give you counsel, normally you need to listen real closely to be sure he's giving you the correct counsel. It's the people that are quiet is the ones you want to try to draw out of. That's what this proverb is actually saying. You try to, it takes a little bit of understanding to be able to draw from somebody who knows what they're talking about. And again, they may fear that they're letting their opinions be known. Second, they may be, uh, there may, they may by godliness and, and graciousness be modest men and though gifted, reticent and slow to speak and discuss things. And third, they may be planning, this is another thing you've got to look at, they may be planning sinful things and to admit their thoughts would condemn themselves. There's other things. There's reasons people don't always talk. There's a positive and a negative side to this Proverbs lesson. The positive side of this, this Proverbs lesson application is, is um, your benefit or need to extract prudent and practical advice from wise counselors for your safety or success. And the negative application is your need to discover dangerous plans or that is lurking in the hearts and minds of those who could harm others or of themselves as well. Sometimes trying to draw, and I believe that's a, this goes a lot, a lot along with the word of wisdom that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. The word of wisdom is something that God knows and He tells you. The word of knowledge is something that God tells you but also another person knows. So in other words, God knows his thoughts and his heart, and he tells me about it, and so I know it, he knows it, and God knows it. Word of wisdom is just the, uh, is, is different. It's a matter that God tells me, but you don't know anything about it. So in this case, sometimes extracting things from someone, God can actually use a word of wisdom for you to be able to tell that person, you know what, you're planning is going to be dangerous to you. It's going to be harmful to your family. And being able to draw something out of someone like that will, will actually help that person not to do something that they're going to regret. It's, 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 a, it's something that I, I think a lot of us uh, don't really take into consideration a lot of time. You know, the uh, good counsel from a multitude of wise advisors is necessary for your success. And, and this is one of the most important rules of wisdom which Solomon often repeated. And he said it in many, ones of, in many of his Proverbs. It's a very, very precious thing. And it, it's like a, it's a good cologne rejoicing the heart is what the Bible says, or a good perfume. To get hearty counsel from a friend, according to Proverbs 27. But obtaining such counsel may be difficult, for true wise men are also godly and, and sober and not willing to speak until asked properly for the right reason. And you can see that in Proverbs 10 and also Proverbs 17. The, uh, there are also shallow wells and foaming fountains, but they're to be compared to the cackling noise of foolish people, only just saying whatever they want to. And if you pick up on that, you can be led astray. One of the worst things you can do, if I wish the young people were in here right now just for this, one of the worst things that you can do is just simply for the, uh, the simple reason I want someone to like me or I want to fit in is to follow some of these foolish children, if you would, and, and do the very same things that they do. And that's, this is why people wind up hooked on drugs or wind up being alcoholics, just simply so they can have friends, simply so they can fit in somewhere. That can do so many wrong, and that's why as, as parents, we gotta be so sure that we watch who our children are hanging out with. 
That's the best preaching you're going to hear tonight. We can stop and go home right now, and you've got everything you needed. All right. So it, it, it's can, it can be that way. If, if the wise counselor is fearful, and it could be for many reasons, you should respectfully assure him that you appreciate any advice he might give you that, that will, and that you will use it discreetly and that there are no strings attached, no liability or obligation on his part. You should be very cautious to criticize his advice. Let him advise you and not the other way around. Not the other way around. If a wise counselor is modest, you know that's that's and that's a good thing. You know, it it, uh, it could be it could be either appropriately or some sometimes it can be excessive, and I I agree with that. You should remind him that you need him, that he has the year's experience, a reputation for wisdom, and that you are obeying Solomon's wisdom to ask him. You should provide sufficient background to assist his analysis and thank him for anything that he offers. If you want someone to help you out and give you good counsel, thank them for it. And you'll be surprised how much more that they will help you with. A man of understanding will know how to take the elementary advice of the, of the previous two paragraphs and leverage it into successful interviews with either kind of wise counselor, the fearful or the modest. With both counselors, you must be open enough yourself to prove your sincerity by practicing godly character and holding humble respect for knowledgeable men and you're going to learn how to draw much pure water from deep wells let me tell you something that i i i a lot has this has been bothering me a great deal for some time i've been praying and praying about this and i realize that there are some things that you're just not going to change in our society today the bible says that we're going to have a certain uh, certain things that occur in the last day I know that. That doesn't mean that I have to like it. Okay? That doesn't mean I know it's going to happen. I'm not going to help it happen. And that, that, that one of the biggest things is the very simple lack of respect that people have. Period. And especially respect for older people. You know, there is so much, there's such deep wells uh, of knowledge in some of the older saints that you could tap into, could help you if we would. Regardless of the time frame that we're living in, one thing is sure. We need good, solid, wise people to help direct and guide us. We need people. I need to not, I don't care if they lived in a different time frame. I still can use what they have and it will help me to live a better life in the time that I'm living in right now. It's wise on our part to listen and to have respect. God help us to have respect. We respect God. We respect God's people. We should respect. And, and all of this, it's so, you know, it's, it's so needful in the time that we're living in. You know, there, uh, let's just let's consider something here just for a moment. Consider Abigail's wisdom dealing with her very foolish husband and wise David. Her timing, her use of the gifts, great humility, gentle approach, and, and her prudent conclusions drew water deep from David's heart to a very great victory that day and a marriage in ten days. Consider also how the Queen of Sheba approached King Solomon to learn his wisdom. That's in 1 Kings 10, 1 through 7. We're going to look at that. 1 Kings 10, 1 through 7. 
When the queen of Sheba heard of the constant connection of the fame of Solomon with the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions, problems, and riddles. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels bearing spices, very much gold and precious stones. When she had come to Solomon, she communed with him about all that was in her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king which he failed to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and skill, the house he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the standing at attention of his servants, their apparel, his cupbearers, his ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord, or the burnt offerings he sacrificed, she was breathless and overcome. She said to the king, It was a true report I heard in my own land of your acts and sayings and wisdom. I did not believe it until I came, and my eyes had seen. Behold, the half was not told me. You have added wisdom and goodness and exceeding the fame I heard. Now listen, look at how she approached the wise man Solomon and how she, she gave to him and she listened to him. Those in authority must discover the, the, the other kind of counsel, the, the plans also of fools or wicked men, and they keep hidden for fear of punishment. This is a work of, of fathers, masters, if you would, husbands, rulers, and pastors. They must create security, plan a wise approach, and explore with wise questions to prime the pump. And parents, do you, do you often communicate with your children to learn their hearts and minds about the things concerning them most? Do you, do you have the understanding taught in this proverb to draw out their inner fears and thoughts? Can you combine love, knowledge, and authority in that order to open your children's heart and to help them? According to Proverbs twenty three twenty six, Better yet, child, do you go to the well of counsel in your house and get the advice? If we had them, we could go with this and, and help, uh, you need to, help you need to succeed. If you could get children, and, and thank God, I, I can say this personally, I've had my children always came to me and would ask me questions concerning major decisions in their life, and they would get that counsel. One thing about it, my wife and I, normally, she would give one side of the counsel, I'd give the other side. Hers was a mean, mine was a better. It's a truth. It's a truth. She was meaner than I was. It's supposed to be the other way around, but, you know, that's why God puts certain people together. So she gave a certain kind of counsel, I gave, and, and somewhere in between, there was wisdom in both ways. And, and, you, and, and I believe that. I believe that, that a parent should hold a united front. But that doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything. Maybe you don't like that. But personally, I've, I like a little disagreement in the house. Good, hearty debate with your wife is a good thing. I didn't say fighting. I said debating. There's a difference. Debating is when you, you know... You talk faster than the other person, and you get them all confused, and, you know, they go along with you. That's good preaching. Thank you. That's the reason Kim could be a great debater, because she talks so fast and so much, and nobody would ever get a chance to get a word in it. <laughs> See, listen to her. She's in it right now. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> the Lord is like no other. His counsel is not hidden away with ancients, nor buried in endless verbal traditions, nor disguised in obscure hieroglyphics, nor reserved for some priesthood. Think about this. Nor chanted nonsensically in Arabic or Latin. What is needful for you is plainly written in the Scripture. Deuteronomy 29 tells you that. It's plainly written. There's nothing mysterious about what we know to live for God. We do not have to make this hard. 
It does not have to be hard. All you have to do, I, I was praying, and it's kind of meditating on this, how, how difficult we make serving God when it is so very easy simply to give yourself your spirit, your soul, your body to God from the very beginning and just do everything that you know you need to do and just, just for the sake of discussion, go a little bit further. What's wrong with it? I don't believe that I can get so, so, so good that I might miss heaven by overshooting it. But I'd hate to miss it by an inch. Ah. Jesus Christ was called counselor for the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in him. And Isaiah 9, 6 tells us this in Colossians 2, 3. And, and the important thing is that we, that's what I just said, is the important thing is that we know Him and that we serve Him the way that we need to. Do we really love Him the way that we say that we love Him? He said, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him and he will come unto him and make our abode with him in John fourteen twenty three. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you in John fourteen twenty six. So if we can look to our Counselor, Jesus Christ, if we can just simply give ourselves, listen to Him, and quit fighting with Him, quit debating with the Lord over what we know that we need to do, our life with God would be so much easier. Our relationship in the church would be so much better. Nothing is going to bother me. Nothing is going to affect me. Great peace have they that love my law, and nothing shall offend them. Come on. How much easier life would be if we'd simply do it that way. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6. I must read it to you in the King James. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man saying the same way. That's King James. Amplified. Many a man proclaims his own loving kindness. That's good. And goodness, but a faithful man who can find. And look at this again. Many a man can proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find him. Let's just put it, talk is really cheap. Real cheap. And when you start boasting, you're, that's worthless. Completely. Your history is irrelevant. True character is measured by present actions and results, and not by self-praise, past events, explanations, or excuses. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Yet fools talk more than wise men. Proverbs 14, 33. And sluggards talk more than hard workers, Proverbs 26. Most men love themselves and will quickly tell you how gifted and faithful they are. But real performers are measured by the Bible, and they are very rare. Very rare. Again, talk is cheap. So what, what you think about yourself can be and will be deceiving and destructive. Proverbs 12 tells you that. But what, you say about your, but what you say about yourself is worse. Proverbs 14, 3, 25, 14. Neither God nor men care about your opinion in general, especially when it is about yourself. If you must tell others you are good at something, then there must be a lack of evidence to prove it. Or why would you say it? <laughs> really? Testimonials are stupid enough for promoting new products, but they're ridiculous when you do it about yourself. i got to sit down to say this because I'm liable to get hit with something. And I said over here they won't throw anything because they might hit you. 
And you're young and good looking and, you know, all that stuff. That's debatable. Okay. I'm doing all right? As long as you say it, then I know I'm all right because I didn't say it about myself. So if you say it, it's okay. Do you know, you, you want to hear, this is Robertson Pet Peeve number 110. Okay. We're trying to build this building out here. People come up, tell me how I can raise all this money. And I'm not telling you it's bad for you to do that. It's only bad for you to do that when you are not paying your tithes. We could, we, we could, we could build that building if everybody in this church paid their tithes. Woo! I told you. Anybody want to throw something now? Huh? You just got your, your yearly tithing report. That's the reason I'm bringing this up, because I just looked at the ones who wasn't paying their tithes. I always get that list. And it just, it is. It, it's always been irritating when you say, oh, we can do this, we can do that, or, yeah, let's go do this, build this building, and they don't tithe. Or when, or when, when the offering basket comes around, they're conveniently not giving anything. Now, there's a few times you find me not giving anything because my wife gives 20, and I give 20, and we're broke. Because that's about what we live on a week, $20 each, you know, and then I have to count that down to the penny. That's all she gives me. I don't know what she lives on. (laughs) that's. Was that you laughing up there, Mona? Yeah, quite a cackle I got there. (laughs) So, you know, that's... uh, So what what are you saying all that for? I'm saying this. It's a fact that... Again, it's self, to me it's like self-promotion. I've got all these good ideas, but I'm not going to add to it. Ooh. Let's move on. Men have long enjoyed the sins of arrogance, boasting, conceit, pride, self-love, and self-esteem. But today, these destructive evils are glorified in popular athletes and arrogant leaders, uh, and, and promoted as a panacea for, for most psychological or relational problems. In other words, what I just said was this. If your kid's having problems, you know, it's because he don't have enough self-esteem. That's the panacea for every problem. You know, your kid is, is sassing you too much. Oh, he don't have any good self-esteem. You don't want to mess up his creativity. So don't beat the fire out of him for what he's doing because you'll mess him up. You know, you're a robber of self-esteem. It's what you are, a thief of self-esteem. And that's a panacea. You know, everybody's supposed to go to the psychiatrist or the psychologist. Every problem is something of this nature. They go to the psychologist, give him $500, and he says, well, your kid needs more self-esteem. He's got some self-esteem problems. Let me, let me give you something. Everybody has self-esteem problems. Everybody does. I guarantee you that, that, that Doug, as smart as he is, got self-esteem problems. And and your wife t- okay, and his wife tells him all the time about it. I'm sure. And I, I've got self-esteem problems. Eldar, he's Russian and he's got self-esteem. And Russians are not supposed to have self-esteem problems. <laughs> oh, I love these guys. So you know it, it's it's. Um, it's just a simply a, it's it's a we we it's a panacea. It's it's everything. Humanistic psychologists have always been deluded. 
But when so-called Christian leaders promote the narcissistic view of life, truth is in peril. I believe I've got uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 3, I love this. 2 Timothy, and I've not read it in this yet. So I'm, but understand this, that in the last days will come, set in, perilous times of great stress. Now listen, does any of this sound like our day? Great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. That just covers it real well, doesn't it? That's what God said will happen in the last days. And I believe we're there. I believe we're, we're at the last minutes of the last days. And I'm looking forward to the coming of the Lord. I think that regardless of what service we have, whether it's a teaching service on Wednesday night or a worship service on Sunday night, we should always come into this place with that desire and that hunger that maybe this is my last service and the rapture could take place with the time that I walk out of here and give God glory. Let's give Him a hand clap of praise. You know, in a day of advertising, mass marketing, public relations, there is a perverse emphasis on appearance over performance, on perception over reality, on sound bites over substance, on feelings over facts. Due to contrast in verbal communication via telephone or Internet, television, radio, email, there is a perverse emphasis on words over actions. Do you know that? It's words over actions. You cannot believe half of what you see come through emails. You can't. There's always somebody writing up something and, you know, it gets forwarded and, gets, and you can't believe half of it. You see something that comes through saying something. Someone has got this, this, I don't know, this rhema from God over some kind of little situation. You might read the truth about that and it was nothing even close to what they said. And, of course, you can't half believe the media because they're biased. What are you talking about, Robertson? I'm talking about my problem is my wife started in the paper again. And I've just been upset ever since. Well, you know, you know how I am. And you know what I'm reading in the paper now? New York bans all assault weapons. News at 10. Kumo, who has all the answers for everything. I don't know if it's Kumo or Kumo, whatever it is. He's a nut. You know, I'm going to show you New York State. New York State had nothing to do with it. What are you going to, I'm getting into something completely irrelevant here, okay? It's all New York City, and they're the ones who dictate everything that happens in the state of New York because of one arrogant governor. And it's the same thing with Chicago and Illinois over one arrogant governor. Arrogant. You know, people who are so sold on themselves. And they think that whatever they think is completely right. You know, it's, and it's distorted. Most of what you see is distorted. Yet today there are a few faithful men that will do what they should. Thank God for that. Second Timothy 3.13, uh, Psalm 12 and 1. You know, look at athletes brag about abilities and accomplishments, and politicians claim to be near divine in what they promise to do. And great men do not need to promote themselves, folks, because others are going to do it for them. Great men will be promoted by others, not by themselves. 
You know, that's, that's his fact. Great men never stoop to self-praise. Their praise comes from others. And if other men do not praise you for greatness, there's an obvious reason for it. An obvious reason. So where is the humility of Solomon? As king of Israel and the well-favored son of David, he admitted he was a little child in understanding. God loved his confession, and so do wise men reading it. So where is the humility of Paul? Though the greatest of the apostles, he admitted he was less than the least of all saints in Ephesians 3.8. Where is the, the humility of Agur? As the author of the Proverbs chapter 30, he admitted his ignorance. Proverbs 31-4. through 4. These three great men did not praise themselves, but guess what? We praise them. We are the ones that's praising them. Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't tell about your job performance. Let promotion tell you about your job performance. Don't brag about your great marriage. Let your spouse do it. Don't tell about your personal holiness. Let your fruits and, perse- and persecution prove it. That's exactly right. You know, when it comes to real holiness, if a person is not being persecuted, they're not as nearly as holy as what they think, say they are. That's just Bible. Don't tell about your charity and kindness to others. Let your number of devoted friends be the measure. Don't tell how much you can be trusted. Let your credit score tell the truth. That's a good one. Don't tell how much you fear and love God. Let your changed life and testimony of others prove it. You know what we're saying here? Don't, don't, don't talk about yourself. Show your, your great character to God and, and men by your actions. James ridiculed Christianity based on mere faith, which is more than the carnal decisions most evangelists solicit today. Now, you hear that? Now, let's think about what I just said. You know, you get a lot, and I'm not talking about necessarily our evangelists, but you get a lot of these charismatic groups that go out there, and all they talk about is faith, 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 but not one of them has any works to prove that faith. It's not a matter of me just standing up here doing what I want to do, saying what I want to say, dressing the way I want to dress, being what I want to be, and, and looking at what I want to look at, and say, I just want, and I have actually heard this from men that I know. I don't have to pray. I've got faith. I've heard it. I sat in the back seat and listened to this guy say this. And if I hadn't been a good godly man, I'd have hit him in the back of the head. Because that just, I mean, that, 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 that hurt me. And what are you telling me that, that my prayer is not better than your so-called faith? I've seen the actions of his, I've seen the result of his faith. We had a, had a big crusade that we had. I've seen the result of it. And believe me, if his faith was indicative of what had, we had happened, nothing happened. But there were other people there that were praying for people, people that had prayed for hours before we ever had it. We had a move of God outside of anything that he did. Because you're not going to have anything unless you have works. Somebody's going to have to be. It's the same thing with what we're doing this year. Revival by design is not going to go anywhere unless we pray. It's not going to go anywhere unless we fast. It's not going to go anywhere unless we really desire for it to go somewhere. It's not going to be a matter of coming in here and just sitting on the pew and say, Okay, God, do it for me. We're going to have to go out there and stir up some things. And that's the only way it's going to happen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Self-righteousness is one of the most damning sins of all. And once infected... How will you be healed? I mean, that's a question. That's the hardest thing to get out of people. You get somebody that's got a self-righteous spirit. There's a, a town around here. I won't say where, but um, 
that that I had a man years ago say that that's the the prince of that particular area, and they're still having problems with it. Self righteousness. We've had had that spirit here at the beginning, and I believe we broke through. Now we've got another one that we're dealing with. But but on the other side of that, this one particular town never could get past that. They never were quite able to break through that self-righteous spirit. You couldn't go talk to anybody. You couldn't knock on a door, talk to someone on the street because they were all saved. You know, they're all going to some kind of church. And, and, and really, as a society, as, as a, an America, we're all saved because we're in America. That's how a lot of people think. We're in America, so that means God's got favor, so we're going to go to heaven. No matter what you do, how you live, we're going to go to heaven because you're an American. Well, believe me, that's not true. There's going to be so many Americans in hell that their feet are going to stick out the windows. Now, believe me, that's going to happen. I was just reading, a, it was interesting, I was just reading the, the, uh, the Ford magazine we get from UPC today, and it, it talked about the fastest growing churches in the world. The fourth, um, what was it, let's see, let me think, I'm trying to think of where... What's the, what's the country over by India? Help me. No, no. No, India and this country is always fighting. Help me. Starts with a P. Pakistan. That's it. Pakistan. So I could remember it was next to India, but I couldn't remember the name of it. <clears throat> Pakistan's got the fourth largest church. You would never have thought that. In the world. 250,000 people. And, and uh, I was trying to think of who was number Oh, Philippines is number one. Philippines had the number one growing church in, in the world. But America, you know, I don't believe we're out of revival. But I don't believe we're going to be the big revival that the world's going to have. I, I haven't for a long time. That doesn't mean we can't win souls. But it's because Americans are so self-centered. It's so difficult to deal with because they don't need anything. It's the countries that have a need that are turning to God. And that is the end time revival that is happening right now. It's happening now. And to a greater degree now than it was a year ago. And it's going to continue to go until the, to the rapture of the church. And thank God that America has been able to help financially some of these countries. We need to be thankful we were able to do that. And thank God that we had that part. And God honors that, believe me. God honors that. And we gotta, we gotta continue to do our part when it comes to all this. But I would, and I want, and I believe that we can still see, uh, uh, just a, a, a modicum of that kind of revival here. If we had just a little bit of that, we could double our churches. All of them. You know, and I wanna see some of that happen. So, you know, it's, uh, Let's believe that. You know, we, we need to, we don't have to tell about our, our kindness to others, and we need to, our friends need to tell us that. And, you know, we just, we need to move forward in such a way that, that we cannot, we don't look at our laurels, and we don't, we don't fall back on our history. But we, we, we look at what God can do for us tomorrow. And what God wants to do for us tomorrow. You know, we, we can't, I, I notice, and it, it's okay to put a percentage, I don't have any problem with it, but Robertson 2 and 4 goes with what the Bible says, and that simply is this. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I don't want to believe that I have a percentage of anything. What I want to believe is that there's not one person out there that I cannot reach. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's not one person that God wants to turn away. Not one person. 
And for us to be so self-righteous over what we've done, God help us. You know, listen to, listen to the Lord, what he said. He said to the most conservative and respected religious leaders of his day, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's what he said, Luke sixteen fifteen. You know, we're all going to give an account of our life to God, and then the truth will be known. Your words of self-praise, self-justification will be more marks against you. Prepare. we you know, we got to prepare to meet God, and we need to be daily preparing to meet God. That's why we need to be so active in evangelism. Because I do not want to be cast out into outer darkness because I, I, I buried my talent. Yeah. Jesus Christ, the blessed and the only potentate, will judge you for your words and your actions, according to Matthew twelve thirty four through 37. He gave you warning that it would be better to have a bad words and good performance than good words and a bad performance, in Matthew twenty one twenty eight, Many ministers promote themselves more than they promote Jesus Christ. And, folks, that's the truth. They call their ministries after their own names. They cultivate... Uh, silly people as far as I'm concerned to keep their respective personality cults thriving you know you just just read if you ever have a chance read the dust jackets of some of the books that these people write but the Lord will humble them in an instant of time just before they're cast into hell it's not about how much money I can make off my ministry think about it think about it you know, we need to know if our faithful actions and results that we have, they match God's Word. That's what we have to match. Or do you have to help people out by giving them verbal hints or explanations as to how faithful you are? You know, forget to talk. Measure yourself only by action, performance, consistency, and results. Focus on the actions. And, and God's Word makes, makes important and do... Uh, and, and what God's Word... Let me, let me rephrase that. What God's Word actually makes important, that's what we have to do. What is it that God's Word tells us is important? Do, are we doing that? Do we truly do the first and the greatest commandment? That's the most important thing. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And then the second is like unto the first. Love thy neighbor as thyself. The second and the first. You know, it's what God wants out of His people. Got a little time. I'd like to move on with Proverbs 20, verse 7. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity. Blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable are his children after him. The just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Now, your family's future is going to depend on how you live for God today. The greatest influence you can have on your children is to live righteously. Children of godly men grow up with greater wisdom than, than, than their peers. So they, they are blessed with natural success and measures of prosperity. But beyond that, God himself will supernaturally favor the children of a godly man. I believe that. I, I believe that. I, I can't, anything good that's ever happened with me, I, I have spent years praying about this, and I always come back to the same thing. It's not anything that I've done. It's not any prayers that I've prayed, but I go back to my, my grandparents and my parents. And especially, I'd say this, but especially my grandparents. Because I can remember little words of encouragement I when I wasn't going to church that my grandmother used to give me. Well, actually, both of my grandmothers used to give me. I was always the pick of the litter. 
I was the oldest of the litter. In fact, my cousins never liked me because of that. But on the other side of it, I don't think they still like me very much. Yeah. <laughs> But on, uh, besides that, I can remember. I can remember those times. I can remember when I finally started going to church, riding to church with my, my grandmother from Woodyard Road, all packed in a half-ton Ford pickup truck, red one. You know, it was three of us who got in there, and you couldn't hardly get three people in the cab of that truck, but we got in there and drove all the way to Sanders Church. All the way. My grandmother wouldn't change churches. She stayed even though she had to drive that far, she stayed with that church. And that's where she died. But those things I can remember, and remember little things that she said. That's, that's so important. It's the prayers. It's, it's, it's what people have done in the past and the influence that they have had on me, on my parents, so forth. It, that, that's what matters more than anything else. A good man lives with integrity. He does more than claim goodness. He'll walk the walk, not just talk the talk. He lives by fear of God and faith in Christ, keeping all the commandments. And the, and, and, and the faithful God that we, we serve will send blessings and favor on his descendants. Here's a, here's a proverb with a promise of a wonderful blessing. And we have, as a godly people, we need to lay hold of that, of this particular blessing. And understand the condition. This man is not today's typical carnal Christian who talks and acts one way on Sunday with the other believers but lives another way during the week. While at home or in the world, here is just a man doing what is right and holy in the sight of God. He seeks the Lord with his whole heart and he walks in this course every day. Here's a man with a clean conscience who guides all his affairs with the discretion of God's Word. He is blameless before God and men by confessing his sins and making proper amends for them. His affections are set on heaven above and he crucifies his sinful lust with Christ and he trembles at the Word of God and he humbly walks with his God. I don't know if I told this to you or told it to somebody else. I can't remember. If I've told it twice, I'm losing a little bit of my mind, so don't worry about it. But I, I was... With, uh, I was talking to a person who goes to another denomination of a church, and she made this statement to me. She said, she said that she had somebody come to her, her husband, and offer them season tickets to the Colts. Give it to them next year. Offer it to them. And she said, I almost took them, and she thought, I'd have to miss church to see those games. And she said, I'm too afraid of God to do that. This is somebody, you know, who you wouldn't think would think that way. And, you know, here I'm uh, listening to this and, and thinking back over a lot of other people who know the truth, have the truth, and would probably miss church to go to those things. Not you. I wasn't looking at you. I know you would never do that. Okay. I know you wouldn't. <clears throat> Understand the promise. Again, God rewards good men with blessings upon their posterity. And if those children or grandchildren sin, they shall bear the punishment of their iniquity. But the Lord will be more merciful than he would have been otherwise. If those children are also living or live righteous lives, which is quite likely given the example they have witnessed, the Lord will assist and bless them for the sakes of their father. You got that? Consider David man after God's own heart, who was perfect in God's sight except for his sin with Bathsheba. 
And to honor David's virtuous life, the Lord showed repeated mercy to his descendants. And you can see that in 1 Kings 11, 32, 15, or I'm sorry, 1 Kings 11 and 1 Kings 15, 2 Kings 8, uh, 2 Chronicles 21. And David described the just, his seed is blessed in Psalm 37, 26. Also, what man is he that feareth the Lord? His seed shall inherit the earth in Psalm 25, 12. Listen to what I'm saying. It, I, I, you know, I've never really studied this out before. I've lived it, and I've really felt it, but I never studied it out biblically. And I see all this, and I realize now, and, and I realize that by living for God, the way that I've lived for God in my own life, that's passed down to my children and my grandchildren. So they're going to have a more successful life. And God's going to bless them in a supernatural way as well. Do you love your children? Your extended posterity. And, and, and forget, a, and I'm not, you know, I want you to understand what I'm saying. I know I've, I've made a lot of jokes about this. But, and there's nothing wrong with higher education, I believe, and especially in the time we're living in, we need it. But, you know, you, in comparison to good instruction and training in godly ways, college education doesn't mean much. You, you see what I'm saying? In comparison. Grasp the priority of this proverb. Live humbly and, and walk just before God, and he'll bless your children because of your life. Job's life of integrity even included sacrifices for his children after their birthday parties. Job 11, verse 5, or, or I'm sorry, Job 1, verses 1 through 5. Phinehas and Jonadab, examples of just men, were promised a godly seed in Numbers 25 and Jeremiah 35. Believer, are, are, are these promises only for, us, for others? You know, think about this. We're believers. Do we, are these promises just for them? I know personally that it's for everybody. And what you endure and what you go through now, if you love your children, you'll simply, if it's no more than I want them to have a good life, then do it for that purpose. You know, God is not obligated to reward you for living a godly life, and especially rewards like blessings and favoring your descendants. You know, you, you should live such a life anyway due to fear and, and, and love, as, as did Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and 9. But God does make such promises, but God does make such, uh, such promises, and He expects you to consider them according to Ephesians 2 and, uh, 6, 2 through 3. But a just man today, for the benefit of your family tomorrow, we need to live justly and right today for the benefit of our family tomorrow. In the world that we're living in, if God does prolong His coming past 2018, which I still, that's just Robertson, you're setting dates. I'm not. I'm just, just talking. I think it will be around that year, and you know why. But I'm saying that if He, if he doesn't come, and, they, and, and this world goes another 50 years, 100 years, what can I do now to make things better for them? Now, I'm not ignorant. I'm on the downside of life. I'm going down fast. I've been holding up my hand quite a bit. I can't get any help. You know, I'm still going down. You know, it's just, it's just that simple. But I want to see the best for them. And every one of us, it's the same way with the church. And as far as I'm concerned, it's no different. As a church, we need to con consider if we let down now, What's it going to do to future generations? 
We can't let down now. We've got to live for God with everything that's within us. Stand with me. Stand with me. Again, next week, I'll be starting again with uh, be the tabernacle plan of prayer. And that's uh, at the beginning of those uh, the particular sessions. And uh, we're going we're gonna to push. I want you here. I want you to follow through with as much of this as you possibly can. This is going to help you not only to be a soul winner, but it's going to help you in your life. It's going to help both. So I want you to, uh, I want you to really consider that and, and not have a... Don't make an excuse to miss. Wednesday nights are great. We need to learn on Wednesday nights. We need to learn. What we have on Wednesday night makes the service better on Sunday night. All right. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise again. Thank you.